0: Barrel-Aged by Shenua Carol Brad Philip Brandy spent the drive to Hereford's distillery, alternately giddy and chiding himself to be practical. He'd had to close early in order to make the afternoon appointment, their last available slot until May, but the bar had been a ghost town anyway. No one would mind, and if this meeting went as well as he hoped... The future looked bright for his little business. Finally, he'd have some good news to bring home to Molly. As he neared the distillery, Philip passed through a squalid, decaying town that circled his GPS destination like a ring of infection. Everything had to be made somewhere, he supposed. In his imagination, Phil had pictured Hereford's as small, charming, the way he saw his own whiskey bar a timely and charismatic savior. Instead, he arrived at the address to find a boxy, nondescript office building beside a warehouse, bookended on the other side by a narrow brick building whose chimney spewed black, sweet-smelling smoke. He killed the engine with a sigh and an ever-more-familiar sinking feeling. Was he wasting his time in coming here? Should he have gone home instead and told Molly the truth? That they'd poured every cent into an albatross? He'd already taken loans from one bank to pay back two others. Maybe it was time to admit some dreams weren't meant to be realized. Except, yesterday's taste of Hereford's 30-year whiskey still haunted him. Before the brand ambassador arrived... No one had ever smuggled booze into his bar before. Try a taste and you'll understand my loyalty. The man held out a vial the size of a perfume sample between thumb and forefinger, letting the bar lights set it ablaze. With his other hand, he sipped the pour of Brandy's best scotch he'd just ordered, grimacing as if it were medicinal. It takes a whole lot of willpower not to keep the samples all for myself. To humor his patron, Phil sniffed the vial, finding the aroma at once familiar and strange. The little draft filled his mouth with a pleasant fire and sparked notes of oak, vanilla, and something indefinable, something that reminded him of how it had felt to marry Molly. The visitor tossed back his own drink like it was ditch water. Remarkable, isn't it? And that's just their 30-year batch. They have better. They're miracle workers. Brandy knew that if he stocked product like that, the bar would soon be in the new and exciting realm of black instead of red. And so here he was, miles from home, about to beg a company without a website or paid advertising, who relied on word of mouth, repeat customers, and brand ambassadors, to help him save his family's fledgling business. "'Right on time, Mr. Brandy. Welcome to Hereford's.' The receptionist handed Phil a bottled water. "'Normally we'd offer coffee, but it would be a crime to sully your palate on a tasting day.' She conducted him down a short hall and into the office of a man dressed for a funeral. "'You're two o'clock, Mr. Reynolds.' Despite the building's bland exterior, The inside of Reynolds' office was richly appointed with a large desk and wood paneling. Phil nodded appreciatively as he entered. "'Have a seat,' Reynolds circled behind the desk and slid forward a single piece of paper. Philip eased into the opposite chair. "'What's this?' "'Our standard non-disclosure agreement. It may seem strange, but we've worked hard to develop our recipes,' and can't allow any industrial espionage, intentional or not. Reynolds reached across to touch the paper. This ensures you agree not to divulge anything you see or hear on the premises on pain of suit. The man smiled. I'm sorry to begin our business so sternly, but it's best to be clear. We have an exceptional legal team on retainer. Phil shifted in his seat. Of course, perfectly understandable precaution. He skimmed the agreement and signed his name at the bottom. Good. Now, our tasting may differ from your previous experiences. Here at Hereford's, we require that you provide a credit card before we pour. Our whiskies are precious. They cannot be wasted. If you complete the tasting, all will be free, no purchase necessary. But should you wish to leave for any reason or discontinue the sampling, we will regretfully be forced to charge you the full value of the pours and the bottles they came from. He tilted his head in consolation. Strict, I know, but this ensures our product goes only to those who are serious about joining the Hereford family. I cannot abide time-wasters, freeloaders, or looky-loos. No, of course not. Phil's throat felt tight and dry as he handed over the last card with remaining credit. If he didn't stay till the very last drop, his business was doomed. But how difficult could a tasting be? He'd sampled hundreds of spirits in his life, and today would be no different. So glad to find you amenable, Mr. Brandy. Reynolds pressed a button on the side of his desk and leaned over to talk into a speaker. Swanson, send a tasting flight to my office, please. Eighteen through twenty. On the way, Mr. Reynolds. The intercom clicked off, and Reynolds settled back in his chair, We're very selective about our customers, you understand, as we have a 100% retention rate. Philip blinked. That's an impressive boast. Not a boast, Mr. Brandy, a fact. Once a buyer enters the Hereford family, they become customers for life. If Philip could ensure that even a third of his patrons could be inspired to that level of loyalty... His night sweats and stress dreams could be over. He smiled. Sounds like you're doing something right. Reynolds nodded. We think so. All of our whiskeys are made in small batches, using only the freshest ingredients, ethically bought and locally sourced. A knock sounded from the wall to the left of the big desk. Reynolds rose and pressed the paneling with both hands. A door sprang open and a man in factory whites entered with a polished board holding a flight of stemmed tasting glasses. He set them on the desk in front of Phil, careful not to spill a drop. "'Thank you, Swanson,' Reynolds said with a nod. The man exited again without a word. The wall door clicked shut behind him. "'You will have already sampled our thirty-year batch, so I excluded it from the tasting.' Thirty is the oldest we make, as anything beyond that begins to take on undesirable flavor profiles. The whiskies before him were deep amber, tinging almost toward red. He lifted the first taster to the light to better gauge the color. That's our twenty-year batch. Philip turned the glass this way and that, before bringing it to his nose The expected aromas were there, but underlined with something else. A light, energetic note that made him think of clean, excited sweat. He pulled away, breathed deeply, then sniffed again before setting the glass back in its row. Odd. This is the twenty? Reynolds nodded. And this? He indicated the last glass at the opposite end. The 18-month batch. Ah. Philip gripped the board with both hands to rotate it. Stop! Reynolds stepped forward, fingers splayed. You must trust that we've presented the samples in the proper order. Philip paused, shoulders tight. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, So you want me to start with, uh... Twenty, yes. Sure, no problem. Phil lifted the tasting glass, catching the strange scent again, dancing around the more traditional notes. He tilted the rim towards Reynolds in a satirical salute before bringing it to his lips. The spirit warmed his tongue and made his mouth tingle as if he'd just broken off a passionate kiss. He sucked in a breath. The alcohol burn seemed stronger than usual for a 20-year-old whiskey, though there was a secondary smoothness, a satiny mouthfeel that made him think of Molly's birthday and anniversary panties. As he swallowed and studied the afternotes, Phil felt a tightening in his groin, as if a lover's breath tickled his ear. He set the empty glass in its holder and stared for a moment, trying to reconcile what he knew of whiskey and what he just experienced. First impressions? Phil blinked at Reynolds, then found himself reaching for the empty glass. He ran a finger along the inside to capture the very last droplet, touched it to his tongue, and briefly closed his eyes. Again, he felt a flutter, intoxicating, as the beginning stages of infatuation. Hmm. I can understand why you'd be proud of it. Reynolds inclined his head. I'm glad you approve, and I hope you see now why Hereford's does not stoop to anything so crass as advertising. But twenty is far from our finest year. He waved a hand. Please continue. Phil sipped the bottled water to cleanse his palate. Next was the fifteen-year whiskey. He sniffed, expecting the same peculiar notes as the first, but this one was noticeably different. It smelled like frustration and potential. He couldn't think of any other term for it. This whiskey was smoother, lacking the pronounced alcohol bite of the first, but leaving a lingering smokiness with a glimmer of skunky tang. Again... He sensed potential in the whiskey and the intensity of thwarted, repressed desires. His pits felt damp, and when he swallowed, the liquor left a slight scratchiness to his throat, reminding him of the prickle of new stubble. He rubbed a hand over his cheek and waited for the stomach flutter, but it did not come this time. Phil returned the glass with a mild sense of disappointment, is the 15 a good seller reynolds folded his hands not particularly no doesn't sell as well as the 20 or the less mature batches but some prefer it stirs up a sort of nostalgia phil wasn't sure he followed but his gaze and fingers were already on the next taste the 10-year batch this one offered notes of lemon and lime vanilla and finished with the tiniest hint of rubber, like bike tires or eraser shavings. Phil's suspicions didn't fully awaken until he tasted the five-year batch, less seasoned than the average bottle of Jack Daniels. He braced himself for the harshness and instead felt heat on his cheeks, warm as sunshine, tasted earthiness and dandelions, with after notes so reminiscent of sidewalk chalk that he got the sudden urge to go outside and chase something. The alcohol had clearly reached his head. He felt giddy. He felt... young. Phil's fingers tightened around the glass. His throat and eyes burned as if near tears. He set his elbows on the desk and folded one hand over his mouth, blinking furiously. Reynolds leaned in close. Don't forget your water. Philip nodded, placing the glass back with its fellows and keeping a hand over his mouth until he could wash the taste of summer from his tongue. Did you not care for that one, Mr. Brandy? The five-year batch is one of our top sellers. Philip shook his head, unable to voice the fear nagging his mind and tightening his stomach. It was preposterous. He was stressed and tired and slightly day drunk. That was all. His gaze fell to the last tasting glass, the 18-month batch. His hand stayed put. He couldn't do it. A good man wouldn't. A good father wouldn't. But could he afford not to? Do you need a moment, Mr. Brandy? More water, perhaps? Phil opened his mouth, stopped, and then wiped a hand over his face. I don't think I can finish the tasting. Reynolds cocked his head to the side, brightly alert as a bird of prey. Feeling ill? Yes. The final glass was a richer amber than the other's, so vibrant it could have held the place of honor in a pagan queen's crown. There's only one left, and once poured, the liquor cannot be returned to the bottle. It is too precious not to be consumed. Phil stared the taster down, wishing that either it or he would disappear and remove the choice from his plate. I can't, he pleaded. Don't make me. I understand. Reynolds sat back in his chair and folded his hands. Our whiskies are richer, more potent than other liquors, and can be overwhelming at first. This is a very common reaction. But I would hate for you to have to pay the punitive fee and waste such a rare chance. The 18-month whiskey is the pinnacle of our achievement. Please, just... Smell it, Mr. Brandy. Sample the bouquet. Philip hoped he was shaking his head. He felt like he was, but his vision held steady as he watched his hand reach for the final glass. He lifted the taster to his nose, intending just to breathe in the aroma and put it down again. He smelled whiskey and a floral touch like talcum powder, buoyed by a hint of... Something else. Something impossible. Fresh skin. Innocence. The indescribable scent of a new baby. His eyes and mouth watered. His arm arched to fling the glass away, even as his fingers tightened, refusing to cede their hold. He squeezed his eyes shut trying to will his hand to put the glass down. The scent grew stronger until something hard and delicate touched his bottom lip. The rim. Phil's lips parted, and he tilted his head back, flooding his tongue with liquor. His breath hitched in his chest. It was a miracle. He opened his eyes, "'Unsurprised to find his vision blurred with tears. "'The eighteen months is our most requested whiskey,' Reynolds said softly. "'Shuddering and wordless, Phil nodded. "'Our tasting session is now complete. Do you have any questions?' "'Again, Mr. Brandy nodded, finding his words at last, "'though they were feeble and defeated, and their answer would bring no comfort.' How much? Reynolds moved aside the empty glasses and brought out a narrow sheet of paper. Philip cleared his throat and had to wipe his eyes several times before he could focus on the order form. Even then, he was unsure if he read it correctly. If you do decide to visit Hereford's, the ambassador had said, I'll gladly buy some bottles off you for a quarter over price. Really? Phil had raised a brow and reluctantly capped the sample. Why not purchase them yourself? They don't sell to individuals, only businesses and wholesalers. A straight, austere list of vintages ran down the center, with their increasingly unspeakable prices ranging along the right side. He scanned the first two lines before dropping his gaze to the final listing. Philip's heart soared. Even with the ambassador paying extra, there was no way. At last, his failure as a businessman might be his salvation. He laughed. I can't afford any of this. Reynolds smiled in a way that made Philip's bones feel cool, and he pressed his fingertips together. Many new merchandisers find themselves in your position. Our legal department has drawn up an arrangement "'to ensure both parties benefit mutually. "'In such cases, the price of the first order is deferred "'to be negotiated upon at a later date.' "'Philip gripped the desk, just as stuck as before. "'How could he turn away so generous a lifeline? "'Do you wish to call your wife, Mr. Brandy? "'She's still at work now, but we could get her on the line for you. "'No!' He sat forward and seized a brushed steel pen from its holder on Reynolds' desk. Mr. Brandy gripped the cool cylinder as if it were an eject button, hovering over the order form, unable to make a mark. How do you know where Molly works? Reynolds leaned in as if they were buddies sharing a secret. We carefully vet potential new sales partners. You understand, don't you? We're both businessmen. He sat back, looking satisfied. To varying degrees? And once your establishment is selling our product, Molly will have no need to work anymore. I guarantee that. She can stay home with Simon. Won't that be lovely? Isn't that the life you've always wanted to provide her? Philip's mouth was too dry to reply. His eyes frozen open, seeing only the totals and wondering at their true cost. And besides, isn't sixteen months terribly young to be in daycare all day? Philip's hand flew across the paper, made three marks, and wrote down an unforgivable number. He placed the pen atop the paper and pushed both far out of reach in case he had second thoughts. Reynolds looked over the order form with a raised brow, murmuring soft sounds of approval. "'Excellent choices, Mr. Brandy. You can expect delivery in two to three weeks.' "'Fine,' Phil shoved out his chair. His shoulders felt heavier, his stomach ached, and his head tingled, not to the point of true intoxication, but worse than the fuzziness of a mind fresh from waking.' He paused for a long breath to stop his voice from shaking. "'Send all the documentation to the bar. I don't want any trace of this following me home.' "'Of course.' Reynolds made another note on the order form before slipping the pen into his inner pocket. "'Now that the tasting's concluded and we have your order, would you care to visit the distillery?' This is a privilege extended only to our select buyers. Phil rubbed his eyes with the back of one hand. No, thank you. I should probably get back to the bar. He glanced up at Reynolds and sighed. They both knew he had no customers waiting. Yes, actually. He lifted his chin, hoping to project more confidence than he felt. I would like a tour. Seeing how their whiskey was made was the only thing that could dispel his fantastical suspicions. He'd seen the workings of half a dozen distilleries, and nothing would delight him more than the revelation that Hereford's was just like any other. Reynolds moved to the wall and pressed the catch again to open the door. Right this way. They stepped into a high-ceilinged gray hall where their footsteps clicked and echoed. A glass emergency exit flooded sunlight through the end of the hallway. They walked toward it, and Philip felt a sudden sense of relief at this peak of reality. His car was just outside, waiting to take him back to Molly and Simon. Reynolds halted suddenly and turned to face his right, bringing Philip to a staggering stop. A huge metal door stood before them, built into the side of the wall. A tiny sign no taller than two inches declared The Distillery. White letters embossed on black plastic, like the labels Molly stuck on all her craft supplies. Reynolds pressed what looked like a lit doorbell before stepping back. Someone will be with you shortly to conduct your tour. Before you enter, I'd like to remind you once more of our non-disclosure agreement. Are you not coming in? Reynolds shook his head. Oh, no. I never set foot inside the distillery. My place is in the office, not among the casks. Besides, he brushed a hand down the front of his suit. I'm hardly dressed for it. Before Phil could ask what he meant, the distillery door swung open. The man who delivered his tasting flight emerged, bringing with him a warm, wet, coppery smell. Hello again, Mr. Swanson. Mr. Brandy here has placed a substantial order with us and wishes to see our workings. Feeling awkward, Phil stepped forward and offered a small wave. I will remain here until you're finished, Reynolds said softly, in case there are further questions. Swanson nodded gesturing for him to follow. Right this way, Mr. Brandy. Welcome to the Hereford family. He paused for a second, holding up a hand. Are those shoes waterproof? Phil stopped to consider his footwear. I don't know. Is that a problem? Nah, that's all right. Swanson slapped his shoulder, drawing Phil's attention to a rusty stain on the man's white sleeve. We can bag him. He smiled and stepped backwards through the huge distillery door. With increasing tension growing in his neck and shoulders, Phil followed. Philip Brandy emerged from the distillery not long afterwards, pale and sweating, with a hand clapped over his mouth. Reynolds stood in the hallway, just where he said he'd be, wearing an expression of kind condescension. How far did you get? The big door slammed closed again. Philip staggered over to sag against the wall. I'm gonna call the police. Phil panted between heavy swallows. Reynolds' voice remained even. You are free to do so, Mr. Brandy, but the Hereford family is large and wears many names. Our distilleries reach across the country and overseas. We have remained in business for over a century, even during Prohibition. He leaned forward to catch Philip's eye. Especially during Prohibition. We have never feared the police. Phil swallowed hard, trying to fight the images seared into his mind. The slickness of the floor... The terrible smell. I must also remind you all sales are final. Your order cannot be cancelled, refunded, or returned. Fine, Philip bared his teeth. I'll pour it out. I'll smash every bottle. Reynolds gave him a humoring smile. They're yours to do with as you wish, Mr. Brandy, though destroying them will not negate the deferred cost. Another water before you go? No. Philip backed away, pointing over his shoulder with a thumb. No more drinks. I want to get in my car and go home. I don't want to think about this anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. His other hand, outstretched behind him, closed around the emergency exit's push bar. I just want to go. Reynolds raised a hand in a solemn wave. Drive carefully then, Mr. Brandy. We'll be in touch. Philip burst out into the afternoon sunshine. The warmth on his skin reminded him of the five-year whiskey. He hurried to his car and ducked behind the wheel, fingers curling and releasing as he stared through the windshield. His throat and stomach clenched. His head felt light and unsteady and his vision blurred. Phil leaned out the window and threw up a car payment's worth of whiskey. His nose burned and tears coursed down his cheeks as he lost the most expensive lunch of his life. Phil cleaned himself off with fast food napkins from the glove box until at last, empty and numb, he started the car and headed home. He'd barely paid attention to the desolate town on his first pass, but more citizens were out and about now. He passed a young man hobbling along with a crutch and an empty pant leg. Philip shuddered. There were plenty of reasons why someone might lose a leg, he reminded himself. Most of the storefronts were dark and boarded up, all except the pawn shops, convenience stores, and fast-food drive throughs The sign outside Empire Pawn, boasted a blowout sale, 70% off, all wedding rings. What wouldn't people sell to keep their families fed? What wouldn't he sell? Phil pulled to a stop at a red light, lost in thought until movement caught his eye. A stringy-haired woman entered the crosswalk in front of him, clutching a swaddled infant to her hollow chest, She didn't look his way, but the child did, and the face staring back was much older than the body size first indicated. Closer to five, he realized, and the swaddling clothes were layers of dingy bandage encircling the child's truncated body. Phil's stomach seized. He needed to puke again. He rolled the window down and stuck his head out, but no matter how he heaved, nothing splashed onto the cracked asphalt below. He had read once about a town in Florida where the locals were so poor they began amputating limbs for the insurance money. How long had this arm of the distillery existed, feeding off the desperate? And how long had the town been withering in its shadow, offering itself up for harvest? The car behind him honked. Phil jumped and hauled his head back inside. He carefully avoided eye contact with any more pedestrians until he'd escaped the city limits and put miles of highway between himself and Hereford's. All Phil wanted was a shower and the comfort of home, but the family couldn't afford to keep Brandy's closed all day, even if only one patron came in. Phil poured a finger of his standard, a peaty 12-year scotch. It was his comfort drink, his go-to, but the whiskey smelled slightly off when he raised the glass to his lips. It smelled flat, watered down. Phil held it up to the light and checked the bottle, but the color seemed right. He took a sip. Mr. Brandy lurched forward, nearly spitting his scotch across the bar. He'd been robbed. Someone had broken in and replaced all his liquor with tinted rubbing alcohol. He scraped at his tongue, trying to purge the chemical aftertaste. Philip pushed the glass away, grabbing a bottle of twenty-year-old bourbon. He sniffed it, and again something seemed wrong. Phil poured a shot with mounting panic, lifting the glass to his lips. It wasn't as bad as the first, but still revolting. He couldn't stomach a second sip. Oh my God. Phil leaned his elbows on the counter, cradling his head in his hands. Holy shit, we're ruined. Desperate, he reached up and pulled down the bottle of 50-year-old scotch he'd served to the man who'd introduced him to Hereford's. He'd never allowed himself the indulgence before, but he had to know. His hands shook as he lifted the bottle directly to his lips. Finally, something drinkable. His most expensive whiskey now tasted like the stuff in plastic bottles. Ten bucks for 1.75 liters. He shook with silent tears, his hand tight over his mouth. Philip Brandy loved whiskey, only slightly less than his wife and son, and now it offered him no pleasure. He thought again of the stranger and of the face he'd made upon tasting this scotch. Is that who I am now? That night, he barely spoke and sat on the couch with Simon squirming on his knees, watching TV without seeing anything. Every now and then, he leaned forward and touched his nose to his son's scalp, inhaling his special scent. When it was time for bed, he brushed his teeth hard enough to make himself gag and curled up facing the wall. After putting Simon down, Molly came in and tried to cuddle against his back. The press of her flesh and the thrum of her blood sent him straight back to the distillery, covering him in a sick sweat. He might have saved the family today, but he couldn't even bear to tell her. The shipment from Hereford's arrived 15 days later. Philip called the ambassador, not trusting himself to open the case alone. I want half overprice, he demanded, once the man arrived. Done! Done! The man rubbed his hands together with a sound that made Brandy's skin crawl. Which ears did you buy? Phil cut open the box and shoved it forward. The ambassador folded back the flaps, carefully lifting out a couple bottles. He whistled low under his breath. I'll take these two. Phil glanced up quickly, checking the labels. Fine. His voice cracked and he brought a hand up to massage his forehead. Take him! The man pulled out his wallet and laid a thick stack of bills on the counter. Can I get a glass? Philip shoved the nearest tumbler at him. Quick, taste it and go! He raised a tight smile to a young couple, who entered and settled in a booth by the door. The ambassador opened one of his bottles and inhaled sharply. Phil caught a whiff of that indefinable infant smell and turned away. He squeezed his eyes shut, listening to the other man pour and drink a reverent swallow. Mmm. With Hereford's on the menu, you'll never know another quiet night. Brandy looked back to see the man staring deep into his glass. Nor a peaceful one. He closed his bottle with visible regret. Keep my number for when you order more. I won't. Phil's hands clenched into fists on the bar, hard as bourbon barrels. Damn you for bringing this into my life. The man gathered up his bottles, clutching them to his chest as tight as that woman had held her ruined child. I'm sorry, really, I am. His voice dropped to a hiss. But I had to bring you in. They won't sell to me. And you've tasted it. You know. He had. And he did. And thanks to this man, he would never be able to forget. Philip narrowed his eyes as they shared a silent moment of understanding. Get out. The ambassador nodded and sidled away, eyes down. Keep my number, he repeated. After serving the couple who whispered to each other, sweet as the splash of 20-year batch he'd snuck into their cheap drinks, Philip Brandy took stock. He surveyed his rows of beautiful, fine, undrinkable whiskies, and felt a tightness growing in his throat, a dryness that could only be quenched by one thing. Against every moral fiber in his body, Phil grabbed the ambassador's empty glass and poured himself another splash of damnation.